Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Let me speak to you, Christian, just for a moment. If God has pointed out an area in your life this morning that's wrong, then confess it as sin. The word confess just means to say the same thing as God's saying. Don't try to cover up. Don't justify it. Listen, we'll never receive forgiveness until we recognize our sin as sin. As we confess it, then we're to truly repent. Today, Pastor Mark wraps up his investigation of the portion of Scripture that defines specific sins, God hates. It's a hard pill to swallow knowing that there's things we are capable of doing that have made it on the list. The important thing we'll learn is that for each one we're guilty of, we're given the opportunity to redeem our behavior through confession and repentance. Acknowledging and agreeing with God for what you've done, then making amends to those you've hurt, is crucial for salvation, spiritual growth, and the ability to do life right, with a clear conscience and on God's terms. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 26, verse 21, with our continuing study entitled, God's Love-Hate List. God proved my worth by sending His Son to die for me. The whole world, but to die for me. Remember, one of the Ten Commandments was simply this. You shall not murder. You shall not have hands that shed innocent blood. There are two areas today I'm just going to touch lightly on that are involved in this. Euthanasia and abortion. I was reading recently of a bioethicist. His name is Peter Singer. He gave a speech at a disability conference in New Hampshire. Listen what he says. The killing of a defective infant is not morally equivalent to the killing of a person. Very often, the killing of a defective infant is not wrong at all. That's a lie from Satan. You and I know, we've discovered many of those kids, down kids and whatever, they are able to show us more love than a normal child. How special. But these people that want to take our life when we get to a certain age and are no good or take our life in the womb, it's murder. It's hands that shed innocent blood. By the way, you're going to see we support one of the local rights to life thing here in saving our children from abortion. There is a new push to move into those clinics. They have a new publication called Unmasking Fake Clinics. A booklet accuses crisis pregnancy centers 
of luring women to the facilities under false pretenses, depriving them of accurate information needed to make a fully informed choice, and using fear tactics to dissuade them from choosing legal abortion. The guide also encourages people to go posing as a client but secretly taping conversations with the purpose of eventually filing a lawsuit against these crisis pregnancy centers. See, there's an all-out attack of Satan against anything that would save life. Satan is a liar. By the way, every abortion runs approximately $300 or more. Do the math. Now you know why the faults. You see, this morning, I know there's people here, and when I mention this topic, it's always a difficult topic. You've aborted children before you came to the Lord. When you ask God to forgive you, He forgave you. You start brand new. You don't have to live under that condemnation. That condemnation is another lie from Satan. You just start from that day and go forward. Maybe you hear you're not a Christian yet, and you fall into that category. Every sin is forgivable. You come. His grace will cover it. You can start again. Put it out of your mind. Don't leave this morning condemned. But God hates people in that category. Well, what is the opposite of taking a life? Well, the opposite is saving a life. Jude 23 says this, We are to snatch others from fire and save them. When we pray, when we witness to an unbeliever, it's as if we're snatching them from what? The fires of hell. So instead of taking a life, we need to save a life. There's another verse that I want to give you this morning. You see it also on the overhead. 1 Timothy 4.16 says this, Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere is the word you want to circle in that line. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We have to be authentic. We shared with you about maybe three weeks ago now that if you're going to put a new godly habit or really any habit in your life, you've got to make it a habit for how many days? You remember, 21. We're at 21 days. How you doing with the habits that God spoke to you about? Oh, me. <laughs> you remember some of you said, well, we're going to go over here to the chapel store. We're going to get a book, and I'm going to take it home. Well, you've done that. But we were going to also what? Oh, we were going to read it. Some of you said, well, I'm going to start that journaling again in the morning. Man, I'm going to get right into it. And for the first five days, man, you did good. We're 16 days. Start again. Some of you, you just challenge yourself, you're going to get in a small group. You're not in a small group yet. Start again. You see, notice what this says. Watch your life. Your life. I can't watch your life. You have to watch your life. You have to pay attention to your own life. You have to understand that. If I do that, I become authentic. And notice this verse, that I not only save myself, but who else? People that I'm witnessing to. The people that I didn't call in sick. The day that I did go to work when I wanted the day off. My life has been authentic. We come to the last one this morning. Turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 20. It's the sin of influence. Stirring up dissension among brothers. God hates a man or a woman who is always involved with strife, with discord, with contention. 
Notice Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Turn over to Proverbs 26, 21. You see, when God designed us in his image, he didn't design us to live alone. He designed us to live as a body, a team, to interact with each other. God gave us the ability to function together. And we as individuals have great influence on each other, especially in those student years, junior high and high school. Look at verse 21. As charcoals to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. You see, this is a warning from God that we do have influence and we are not to be a person that's causing division. We are not to be a person that's always stirring up stuff. We are not to be a person that, in, for instance, in a church that's ignoring godly leadership and behind the scenes trying to find some way to stir up the church. Now notice I said godly leadership. God hates people who are always stirring up stuff. Now think about that this morning. I have influence. That is especially important to those of us that are leaders. Think of all the, the positive influence I can be, but think of the damaging influence. If I'm a person that always fussing. Now, this influence and this dissension doesn't mean, as you know, we have an elder board here, and then, of course, I meet with the pastors every week, and then we have a separate financial board. That doesn't mean in those meetings we don't have differences of opinion. For sure we do. You don't want robots. You want challenging thoughts to come. But when those differences of opinion come, then we go to prayer over those. And then we, we come back and we say, God has spoken to me and I'm changing and I agree here. Or I'm changing or I'm agreeing here. And sometimes out of that group of people, only one person gave this opinion, but God brings us back to that one. You see, that's what it's like. It's not that we don't have input, but we're not contentious people. We're not always trying to stir up people. Now, where does this division come from? Where does this ascension come from? Write this down. Satan loves to divide. It's disunity. You remember when Satan at one time was in heaven, all the angels were together. They were worshiping God. Satan became prideful. And because of that sin, he divided the unity in heaven. And heaven was never the same, and our world is not the same, because when he divided that unity, one-third of the angels followed him. So we have the good guys and the bad guys this morning. That's the sin nature that's in us today. Those third of the angels are demons. They still have input into our society and our world. Now, turn with me to Galatians, if you will. Galatians chapter 5. How does that show itself up in our normal life? In the life that you have this morning as a Christian, you have a sin nature, then we have this redeemed nature. I can allow the enemy to influence me in that old sin nature. I shouldn't. I don't have to. I can say no to sin, Romans tells me. But sometimes I just allow that negative influence to come from me. Look at Galatians 5 verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred... Here we go. Discord. Skip on a couple. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Factions. Look at the end of verse 21. 
I warn you, as I did before, Paul says that those who live like this, here we are with that warning again, will not inherit the kingdom of God. God takes dissension, discord, selfish ambition, factions very seriously. He takes that argumentative spirit. That word dissension means to stand apart rather than to stand together. It speaks of a lack of unity and oneness. That word factions means this. Divisions created by people from dissensions. People looking to form blocks of power. I don't know about you. I hope you've been fortunate enough never to be in a church split. But I've been in. My dad was a pastor. And I've been in a couple of those in my life. They're disastrous. People in the background orchestrating ways. Now sometimes it certainly was the fault of the pastor. And the leadership, they weren't godly people. But many other times it was because there was selfish ambition. It's a miserable place to be. Satan loves to divide. When we speak about marriages, I want you to think about the word divorce and divide. Where does it come from? Why is the church have the same divorce rate as the world? Because of what we just read. We've allowed our selfish ambition. Nobody's going to take advantage of me in this marriage. Man, we're out of here. And we've taken on the worldliness instead of godly character. How important for us to realize that God hates division, but he loves to unite. Let me read to you out of Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. You know, there's such a thing as positive individual influence. Instead of being somebody that's always stirring up, how wonderful to come together. Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. Be an example to the believers. You, be a person that unites people. Be a, be a peacemaker in our home and in our churches. Then there's such a thing as positive church influence. Psalm 131 verse 1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. You see, when we focus on God and His ways, it brings unity. God loves to promote unity. To function properly as a church, we must be in unity. If you've ever been in a church where you walked in and there was division, and you're any kind of a spiritual person at all, you sensed it. It's just like if you've ever walked into a home and you go, uh-oh, there's problems in this home. What's well, the same with the church? And what happens when people walk in and they can tell that the people are fighting, they might not see it here, but behind the scenes there's this area of division. There's no unity. They're out of there. And I believe God has blessed us. Why is this church continue to grow? Lots of reasons, but one is the one I just read to you. How pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in what? Unity. And we're together because we're doing it not for this church, not for me. We're doing it for God. That's the beauty. Turn with me to the book of Acts. And I'm going to have you write some things as we close this morning. I want to take those five areas that God hates. And I want you to show you the, this morning the early church. And show you the five things that God loves. And encourage us as we leave this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is a picture of the early church just formed. Look at what their lifestyle was. Starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, studying the word, fellowship, getting together, to the breaking of bread, which was communion and also fellowship in their home, and to prayer. 
And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. In other words, God was honoring it with his power. And all the believers were, circle the word, together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together, circle it again in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with grouchy and complaining hearts. Is that right? What kind of hearts? Glad and sincere. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. See, this is a picture of ordinary people filled with God's power, doing the things that God loves. If there's ever a pattern for a church, this is it. This is the pattern. Now, let me give you those five things. And let's look at them quickly. We're going to cover them. You may not be able to write them all down. You have to get a tape. That was one of the things you were going to do anyway, remember? All right. God hated, we learned last week, a sin of attitude, a proud look. What do we see in this church? We see humility. Why? Because they're into prayer. They're saying, I need help. They're also praising God. Not self, not the church, not the pastor, not Peter. They're praising God. And lastly, communion. The elements. They're admitting they're sinful and they need God's help. See, God hates pride, but he loves humility. And you found that in the early church. Second, sin of thought. We talked about this last week. Premeditated sin. They were thinking things. That could even be that this morning where you're thinking of a way to divide your family or divide this church or something. But no, these people weren't thinking of division. They were thinking of unity. And they were thinking about the word of God. They were thinking about truth. They weren't thinking about sin because they studied the apostles' doctrine. Next, a sin of speech. We learned this morning that God hates a lying tongue. What do we see in this group of people? It's opposite. They had sincere hearts. They were real people. They were speaking truth. They weren't into lying and deception. They were using their tongue to glorify God rather than lying. Next. A sin of action. We read this morning, hands that shed innocent blood. Last week, feet that are quick to rush into evil. What's the contrast? Well, number one, they were using their feet to share with each other in their homes. They were going home to home. They weren't using their feet to do evil. They were using their feet to do good. What were they using their hands for? Instead of shedding innocent blood, they were using their hands to do what? To meet the needs of others. See, we're uniting. We're not dividing. And last, maybe one of the most important. Sin of influence. They weren't stirring up. They weren't dissentive. They weren't griping among each other. Even though they were from all different countries, all different groups of people meeting, what were they doing? In contrast, there was fellowship. They were together. There was unity. There was a common goal. That's the picture of the church. That's where God blesses. Now look at the last part of that verse 47. Because they were doing things God loved, the lifestyle that was right, they had godly influence. What happened? Look what it says. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, we want to be together. And I just want to, I want to challenge you guys this morning. If you haven't started yet, get into a small group. Pick you up that tape. Get to the bookstore. You see, as we do this, God blesses us. Let me read you one verse this morning. Proverbs 16, 20 says this. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts 
in the Lord. Let me speak to you Christians just for a moment. If God has pointed out an area in your life this morning that's wrong, then confess it as sin. The word confess just means to say the same thing as God's saying. Don't try to cover up. Don't justify it. Listen, we'll never receive forgiveness until we recognize our sin as sin. As we confess it, then we're to truly repent. Repentance just simply means I turn away from my sin and I walk after God. I do it differently. Christian, that's for us this morning. 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive me of my sin. You have to name it as sin. Now, if some of you blew it off at work, your supervisor didn't call me. That was God speaking to you. You make it right. Next. Some of you here this morning have been deceived. You've been listening to the lies of Satan. Satan has said to you, all roads lead to heaven. You can get to God by being good enough. That is a lie from Satan. You can only get to God one way. That's coming through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Some of you, Satan has said to you, well, it's okay to wait. I'll wait for a more convenient time. That's a lie from Satan. Because God's word says, today is the day of salvation. Satan says, another day, God says, no, today. Because he's spoken to your heart. Don't play with the things of God. You will never get your life together until you come and put God first. How does that happen? You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to repent. You have to say, God, I'm sorry. In fact, God, I know you put your son on the cross. He died for me. I want to receive him into my life. I want my life to be changed. You have to confess it. I want you to see this last verse on the overhead. It's very important that you understand what God's truth is this morning. I tell you the truth, John says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. God hates lying. Here we have truth. God hates death. Here we have life. The Word of God. It'll change your life forever if you'll admit your need. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God, you know you're either backslidden. Some of you are backslidden. You used to serve God. Here's what Satan has said to some of you. You've gone too far. You haven't gone too far. You come back today. God's waiting for you today. Some of you, got, you know, Satan said you've sinned too much. We don't need to know your sin. God will forgive it all. Your life will be changed forever. Then you begin walking after the things of God. God will change your life, your marriage, your work situation, whatever. It won't necessarily be an easy road, but it'll be a road with God. And He will provide what you need to make this life abundant and full. So we end this study with a great model of the early church, blessed by God for their obedient hearts and faithful lives. These were ordinary people filled with God's power, doing things He loves. If we're ever going to experience this kind of power and be able to do life right together, we'll need to learn from their example. Remember, they were devoted to God's Word, united through fellowship, and committed to prayer. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. The world's been trying to redefine marriage for quite some time. There's been a disturbing shift in man's interpretation and push for an unholy, twisted version of wedlock. What these depraved people don't realize is that you can't leave the designer out of his creation and expect success. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll be studying God's original blueprint for this sacred institution. So be sure to tune in. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your love